So does your career energize you with life or does it drain you? Recent Gallup polls show that a whopping 70% of us feel disengaged in the workplace. There's just gotta be a better way. Welcome to our authentic careers where it is my job to uncover the ideas and strategies that can help you become better aligned with your career. I'm your host, Gert Sabar, and I interview people like you and me about the twists and turns in their career paths so that we can all achieve greater clarity, meaning, and fulfillment in ours. And on this week's podcast, a longtime friend of mine and former colleague, Josh Aptai, provides what I think is a very entertaining look at how he's gotten to be where he is today. And what I particularly appreciated about Josh's recounting of his journey is the importance he's placed and still places on the people he works with. Their impact in his life has been critical, not only to his decision-making along the way, but also to how he's assessed the quality of his experiences. And I love that he brought that up because I think it's such an overlooked and undervalued point. It reminded me that in trying to figure out our careers, how frequently we get lost in our own circumstances, so much so that we tend to forget or lose sight of just how critical the people we end up working with can be to our enjoyment, fulfillment, and success. That said, let's get right to it. So please allow me to introduce you to Josh Aptai. So firstly, thank you for, uh, for agreeing to do this. No problem. Question number one for you. Do you ever think about the concept of purpose or mission or what it is you are meant to be doing here on this planet? Huh. That's a good... So do I ever think about it? Yes. Um, <laughs> do I always think about it? No. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, it, it comes and goes. And uh, honestly, I've, I mean, I don't know. I felt like the times in my life and in my career and, you know, with friends and with my wife and just, you know, just all the, the relationships that have been really important and all the things that I've really enjoyed doing, they often, while there are moments where I'm thinking about how they fit into, you know, how I see myself and, and, you know, what mark I want to leave or, uh. you know, all that, I, I tend to find the best relationships and the best moments come from when I'm not actively thinking yeah, about it. Yeah. yeah. But when I just feel like, it just feels like they're right in there. And oftentimes in hindsight, I'm like, oh, wow, that really totally lined up with what I you know, imagine to be this narrative of my life. <laughs> That's interesting, right? The more you think about it, the less, <laughs> the less, the less real it becomes. I mean, maybe, you know, for me, yes. I mean, I, there are other people I know who, it helps them, you know, really, really frame it. I mean, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, if you want to, you want to get really heavy about it, it's like I'm not really sure what, you know, what life is going to lead to once it's done. You yeah. know what I mean? At least in a way that matters to me, because <laughs> right. I won't be there to enjoy it. You know, when it's done. Right. Um, <laughs> bummer. You know, whoa, <laughs> some pretty heavy, heavy stuff. Um, so you know, yeah. I often I often think when I when I t 
to your point. So I'm basically just saying, yes, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> is, is when I when I dig really deep and 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 like try to articulate it, it does feel a little phony. Yeah. You know, where I'm like, I don't really care what kind of legacy. I mean, I I do sometimes, but when I think about it, I don't really care about it because I'm not going to be around to enjoy it. So who, <laughs> you know. But then what's the gauge, right? I mean, you just took a new job. What is that fulfilling? Actually, start off first by saying what your what the new job is that you took. Probably a good place to start. <laughs> so um, I'm director of lab productions at uh, Lowe's Innovation Labs. Yep. Um, and basically what that is, so hopefully everyone listening, like we all know what Lowe's is. It's the home improvement retailer. It's a Fortune 50 company. You know, it's been around for decades, um, you know, started as a small hardware store, now employs, I think, upwards of 200,000 people globally. Yeah. I mean, it's this massive, massive thing. Um, my job there is as part of this really amazing unit, um, which, I mean, in, in, in my estimation, it's one of the few innovation departments at a company that truly has support, you know, at the corp at the C-suite level um, that is not marginalized and you know, lumped in with marketing um, yep. that really has an operational role that's really, you know, pulling off some incredible work in a very short amount of time um, to basically transform or identify ways that this retailer, which again has been around for decades, can evolve and transform in some, in, in some radical ways. And so my job there is, you know, overseeing the various innovation projects, um, helping scale some of them um, and commercialize some of them. Um, so it's a really interesting role. So you took this new job. What does it fulfill? Right? What yeah. does it fulfill in you? Well, so here's the thing. So, you know, I've been in New York for the last 15 years. And so this job is in Mooresville, North Carolina, right? Which is right. a massive, it's a massive life change. Um, moving myself, my wife, my kid. Um, having to meet, you know, all new friends, yeah. um, not being in the comfort of the urban environment. I really can not see myself living outside of, right. um, so yeah. So, so the question of, you know, purpose or maybe even just to like make it like dumb it down, like reason for moving, we did have to think about it a bit more than I might've in other circumstances. And honestly, it sort of evolved naturally. So I mean, I, I was not out looking for a job or anything like that. Um, yep. a, a great recruiter found me on LinkedIn. So I had a sort of an unconventional, you know, resume reached out and I was like, okay, Lowe's like, all right, maybe, <laughs> maybe, I mean, I, you know, I, I could, I, I, look, I'm not going to lie. I, I wasn't like chomping at the bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you know, like, like there are very few things there, there, there are very few kinds of companies or industries that I would say, yes, I'm going to move to North Carolina after 15 years, you know, living in the city. Right. Um, and so, you know, I was like, all right, let me talk to them. Let me look at what they're doing. And, oh, oh wow. They're, they sent uh, a 3d printer to space. That's actually on the space station that is printing parts and tools for, you know, astronauts. It's like, right. Hey, they did, they did that. Like, so I started looking at what they were doing and I was like, okay, this stuff just intrigues the science fiction geek in me right on one level another you know i was like oh wow these guys are actually shipping stuff which you know after years you know either working um at you know big companies or, or you know working at small little companies that i've either co-founded or been part of you know it's like wow okay these guys are for real 
And that just intrigued me functionally, being like, that's cool. That's you know, a place where you can actually do something and have your work get out there and, and get real people responding to it. Right. Um, and just talking to the people, it felt like a really warm culture and uh, felt like really smart people who were committed to doing like – and not, you know, I think you'll you'll hear from a lot of companies like, oh, hey, we're here to do the best work of our lives, you know. But I, they, these folks didn't say that, but I could tell they were all operating on that level yeah. where they took their work they took their work very seriously and very very personally, um, despite the fact that yeah, it's for a huge huge company. And those things, it's interesting because like those elements all together, I wouldn't say I could articulate a like verbally a purpose or mission that that fits into but those are the kinds of people i find when i work with or i'm around that my momentum that they help me fight my my worst uh my worst tendencies which is to get complacent or let things go or not work to the best of my abilities and so just on that level i was like huh it'd be really interesting to work with these people because i think they're gonna get the best they're going to get me to give my best. You know, it's like that. What is it in that as good as it gets that dumb, like Jack Nicholson line is like, Oh, you make me want to be a better man or whatever. (laughs) But you know what? It's like from a work standpoint, you you need people that make you want to be your best self and in turn want to get them just as excited to be their best selves. Yeah. So I I got that feeling and and that, to be honest, that probably speaks to me more than anything. Um, but that might not be enough to move to North Carolina. Right. Um, by itself. So in terms of purpose and mission, there's sort of two other facets to this that, you know, were important to me. I think the other one, I get very interested, uh, you know, we, we have sort of a limited time on this earth. Um, you know, like I was saying before, I, you know, who knows what your legacy is going to be. The only thing we know is, you know, unless the singularity actually happens, not many of us are really going to be around to understand what that legacy means or partake in it in any way. So, okay, you know, for whatever it's worth, legacy, who cares? Um, but I kind of feel like while you're on this planet, it's interesting to put yourself in a position to understand as much as you can about the times you live in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so the thing that really got under my skin in a good way was i don't know you know there's a lot going on in this election cycle and, and i think a lot of the tensions in this country in particular are really coming out and um america's heritage um, of a country that was really built on hard work and manufacturing um the manufacturing part of it you know is not anywhere near as strong as or present in our lives as it used to be but we still sort of live you know haunted kind of haunted by that the specter of uh, of that old life that we might never be able you know that work life we might not ever be able to get get back um and our new you know economic reality which is we've really become a service industry uh or industry oriented economy and country and i found myself getting really intrigued um by working at a company that sort of sits at the intersection of building and empowering small businesses that actually make things, you know, and that manufacture things. Yet it's also one of the biggest retailers, one of the biggest retailers in the world. So it's interesting. I was like, man, here's a company that sits at the intersection of all these tensions. 
Um, and when you are in the role of trying to produce, you know, disruptive innovation at one of those companies, you're right at the epicenter of that tension and trying to figure out maybe, you know, like right. where that tension comes from and how you can tap into it in, in ways that are good for you and for, for everyone else that really got under my skin. So I wouldn't say that's a purpose yeah. I've all, I've always had. But in this particular context, it was a purpose that I felt, wow, this is this is definitely something that's worth being part of. Um, and then the third the third piece of it is is much smaller, you know, which is I've been in the city for a long time. You know, I have a kid. We talk about having, you know, adding adding to our family, and you know, to some degree, it's like, do I want to live in an environment where my kid learns to ride a bike under the threat of getting crushed by a crane. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, like I'd almost rather, this sounds horrible, but like, you know, I'd rather the threat of like being bit by a snake in the backyard (laughs) than like getting hit by construction equipment, (laughs) you know? So I felt it was time. Maybe, you know, we, we get to a place where she can really explore, you know, just more diverse environments, you know? Um, yep. so it kind of all came together and I, you know, I think my wife was ready, ready for that as well. And we Here just we did it. There you go, man. So, yeah. So I, I guess it. to like boil that down, it's kind of like a three pronged purpose. One is just <laughs> like being around people on a general feeling of hard, high quality workers who want to push each other to just, just be their best self Yeah. to like working in something that has sort of a macro like cultural context that really puts you at the heart of what you, you know, of, of what you think the world is going through and, and, and help elucidate, you know what I mean? Some, you know, just shed some light on, on what's going on in the world, put you there. And yeah. then third, like just listening to what you, you think you and your family need just personally to, to develop. And that's kind of what did it. <laughs> I dig it. Pretty long winded. Uh, it's funny because I haven't really <laughs> until I started talking to you. I mean, I'm just thinking about this right now. Like I, I had not given this any thought at right. all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that's what it was. <laughs> hey Josh, um yeah. the first point being mm-hmm. around people who uh push you and who get you and um when when would you say that or at least you recognize that as being a really important aspect to you. I'm sure I recognized it when I was younger mm-hmm. with teachers. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I had a few good teachers who would fight my, you know, fight me phoning it in. And I think I sort of respected that. Uh-huh. Um, but I guess in terms of working, I mean, I was really lucky. You know, that's where you and I met actually, yep. you know, I catch them. Um, I do feel like Ketchum PR had a string of supervisors, um, and I'll name them. I'll name names. Like there's a guy <laughs> named Scott Wimbush who I haven't heard from forever. I would love to to get in touch with him. Um, Brad Bice, um, you know, like Abby, Abby Bliss, Abby yep. Hodes, a um, bunch of other people. I just won't name, yep. um, <laughs> but who I you know I feel like were always pushing me. To, uh, I don't know, just pushing me beyond sort of my comfort level and sort of understanding what my weaknesses were and either forcing me to confront them head on Uh or just giving me tasks that would 
implicitly forced me to confront them, you know? And, right. Um, and, and, and there was a very hard work, hard work, but not at the expense of, of one sanity yeah. that I think all of these folks really instilled. Oh, Jenny McCabe, I guess is her last name now. Um, Jenny Denis McCabe, but she was another person. They all were just really excellent at pushing and, and just the pride that everyone took in their work in every aspect of it from like, I mean, something as dumb as like p- building project management binders. Right. Um, but understanding and communicating the importance of those little gestures and how the attention to detail in that way is indicative of like a better holistic approach to just how you, you know, how you treat your work. Josh, are you today in your career where you thought you would be when you were younger? No. Um, but I don't really ever know where I thought I would be. Um, I never really had, no, I mean, I never, I never really had designs on a career. You know, I, I, I honestly, I'm just trying to go back and trying to like dredge up anything. But I, I, I mean, truthfully, I, if anything, I'm kind of surprised (laughs) that I'm like having what, like, I'm, I'm, I really love my career and I feel like I'm, I'm in a great, you know, in a great uh, spot. Um, it isn't exactly a traditional ladder that I've kind of followed. Um, I guess I don't feel like I'm not where I should be, if that makes sense. Like, like, I, I, or I, I feel like this is, this feels about right. right. Like I don't feel like I'm suffering or had to suffer much at all through wrong moves. You right. know, it's weird, but I never, I wasn't like a, I wasn't a very like, I'm going to be CEO of this or that when like, it reminds me of whatever there was that commercial, you know, where the kids where they had all the kids saying like, when I grow up, I want to be a uh-huh. IT systems man. You know what? Like I was like, who the hell knows? Like, I don't even know what these jobs are. Right. You know? Um, but does that mean you had zero ideas of things you wanted to be when you grew up? Or zero concepts? Well, I had concepts, but they were concepts I kind of even knew at the time I didn't want to do. So, like, I had family who were lawyers, some pretty successful lawyers. Um, not only were they successful, I had some of them always tell me, like, never be a lawyer, even though they were really <laughs> successful doing it. But... You know, there was a period where I was like, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer. Um, actually, <laughs> here's, uh, here's how I know I had thoughts of being a lawyer. So one time, a good, I was probably like seven or eight years old. I was pretty young. And um, maybe I was nine. Who knows? But I, I was young enough that I was just a goofball. And I remember my friend and I in Virginia Beach, we were like a skating rink. And, you know, there are those like lead generation boxes that, for like health clubs where you would like right. fill in your information and you could win like a free week. But really it's like getting all this information from people. My friend Chad and I just kept like entering these like messed up entries. But what's so dumb is like we put our, our real phone numbers on them. <laughs> and I remember this, viv- <laughs> I remember vividly cause I had this like total panic, micro panic attack when one night I was home alone and I got a phone call from this guy, and he's like, is this Josh Shabtai the lawyer or, jo- or Josh Shabtai the weenie? Which is weird that I – A, it's weird that I, like, wrote weenie as my occupation on one of them. It's weird that I just wrote all that and put my phone number 
Um, but it's weird that I put lawyer. So it's, so obviously there was a point where I thought, you know, like maybe that's a thing I was going to do. Um, fun addendum, by the way, fun addendum to that story. So I'm home alone. Um, the guy called, I, I was like, who is it? Like, I had no idea what it was. And then all of a sudden I realized, cause I remembered us like goofing around and I just hung up and then he called back again and, and like, I don't know. He was kind of threatening sounding. I mean, he had to have known I was a kid. It was very weird. Right. And then he called one more time, was like really menacing. I turned around on this swivel lounge chair that I was sitting on and I was watching like Jeopardy or whatever. <laughs> and when I, when I swiveled, the chair hit this giant ceramic lamp, this floor lamp my mom had, and it fell over and just shattered. So then I hung up and I was afraid because this guy sounded, it sounded like that have you check the children kind of voice. And I was like, I broke, you know, I broke this lamp. So I started crying. I was like terrified. Guy called again. I didn't answer it because I was just like <laughs> scared. And he on the answer machine, he's like, "Hey, Josh." He's like, he's like, I I, I hear you're watching Jeopardy because you could probably hear the music, the music in the background. He's like, he's like, look who's in Jeopardy now. He said that. Like he was messing with me. But the crazy thing is, I got it. I got it on my answering machine. Right, <laughs> and and my mom came home and was like, "Oh my god, my lamp! Wait, why are you so upset? What's going on?" And I told her and played her the message, and she was like, "What the heck?" Meanwhile, th- then she calls my friend Chad and his parents, and like the guy had been harassing him too. But my friend Chad is just such a fun nutcase; he just messed with the guy back. That was just a weird story. Um, but anyway, being a lawyer, the other strange story. So. I did apply to take the LSATs in like 2003 or something like that. Uh-huh. And I studied and I loved doing it. Um, and I worked with a mutual friend of ours, you know, Nick Ragone, who had a law degree but never you know, decided not to be a lawyer and just was an author and worked in PR. And he was like, dude, don't do it. It's terrible. Like, if you and, but I love taking the test. You know, I love practicing the test. And on the morning of the LSATs, I went down to Pace University to go take them. And it got snowed out. And I was just standing around with a bunch of law school students. So I was like, you know what? This is a sign. I'm not going to take the law. I'm going to get my hundred bucks back and I'm not doing this. And here we are. <laughs> so to, that should answer your question. Yes. I did possibly have designs on a different career, but I didn't really ever, I just, <laughs> I, I didn't even really care. You know what I mean? I, I had family who did that. So I figured that was a thing you did. Can I ask, what did your parents do or what did they still do? So my mom I had always been a teacher, and then when we lived in Erie, Pennsylvania, she was the director of childcare at like the YWCA. Uh-huh. Um, and then my dad was a welding engineer, um, and he had worked. He still does some work with GE um, in the transportation division, like on the trains. But um, at, you know, as a kid, we lived in Virginia Beach because my dad was a welding engineer at the Norfolk shipyard, the Naval uh-huh. shipyard. And he was a welding engineer on like aircraft carriers and nuclear subs and things. Um, just kind of cool. Actually, he yeah. brought us, you know, they had like family day and he brought us on to like an aircraft carrier and stuff like that. It's pretty uh, interesting. That's awesome. And what, what, um, what impact do you think they had either implicitly or explicitly on your, on your path? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, I don't really know. Like I, I, there's certain elements about like their lives that may or may not have influenced my career. I mean, like thinking about them rationally, this will sound weird. Like I I can, I can say, Oh, this probably had an, I mean, it probably did have an impact, you know, Uh but, but I think when I describe it, I don't, uh, what I'm about to say, I don't necessarily, I don't disbelieve, but I don't believe, (laughs) I I don't totally believe either. Right. But, Uh but I'll say this, like, you know, look, I, I was saying I suck at 
the mundane details. You know, it's like I was never a math guy. I was never um, as engineering. It just wasn't in my DNA the way it is in my dad's. I mean, my dad is like, it's insane. He can like build a deck by himself without <laughs> having to, without really having to sketch it out. He just kind of knows exactly the measure. I don't know. I, I have no idea. It's like this crazy gift that, that I, I, I missed, you know? Um, my mom was always like highly verbal and you know, whatever her job wasn't really, you know, it didn't totally inspire me, but I will say this, like, you know, my dad was Israeli. He was the only one of his family, like 11, 11 brothers and sisters, um, who came over to the U S I think he got out of a war and was just like, I want to just see what's out there. And, and he, he moved to Ohio. <laughs> <Super weird. laughs> He's like, Oh yeah, I need to get out of here. And I ended up in Columbus. <laughs> Good times. Um, but I think, I, you know, this is what I'm saying. Like could have had an impact is his story and like his pathway to meeting my mom, which is just random, you know, like felt like such a bizarre set of dominoes that you couldn't really, you couldn't, as a human set those up for yourself. They just kind of come from seeing what's out there and moving. Yep. Like there's something in that that feels truer or at least there are more parallels I can see to how I've pursued like a career or just life. Yep. Um, then like any specific work stuff. And then my mom, I mean, there are things that my mom, the thing I always loved was my mom was always a teacher and she always was like, she would, I mean, she would joke, but she's pretty deadpan about it, about like hating children and like <laughs> being very excited to just have like summer vacation and stuff like that. And I mean, and when I say hating children, like we used to have slumber parties. I don't know if you, you're familiar with the book or the film based on the book Flowers in the Attic. You know what this is? No. So Flowers in the Attic was like this really popular book, I think in the late 70s, maybe early 80s, where these kids were like basically tortured. I think the parents had like Munchausen syndrome, you know, where it's like, you hurt your kids to feel like you love your kids or whatever. And they locked these kids in the attic and they kept them weak by feeding them these powdered sugar donuts that were poisoned. So they were like slowly poisoning, you know, keeping their kids in a feeble state and all this stuff. So my mom, I mean, it was like a fourth grade sleepover that I had. She like rented us the movie of flower flowers. <laughs> also there was like incest. It was like crazy. <laughs> like, I don't know what was going on. She rented that for us, which for starters is like not the sign of a good parent. And then when it was done, she went through the trouble of making homemade powdered sugar donuts for, like, all of us. So she had this, like, perverse enjoy enjoyment of, like, you know, just – oh, I have no idea. But so that kind of – I got to say that's sort of, like, fun that she just kind of had in – you know, she, she had with us and, like – and, and even the way she was like, I hate kids and all that, like, I could see that as part of, like, how she approached her job, even though she loved kids enough to want to do it and to, like, mess with them in a fun way. Like, that spirit, I will say that, I, I do feel like in everything I do, it's not just work-wise, but I'm like, if I'm not sort of capturing that, like, level of mischief yeah, um, and trying to inspire it in everyone else or, like, get some kind of response out of everyone, like, I don't like to do it yeah so that's kind of led to my career in a, in, in, in a weird way you actually preempted my qu my next question which was um you have a track record of basically disruption 
not not disruptive innovation just disruption (laughs) Disruption. i'm just like highly disruptive in like the the truest sense of the word like i just interrupted you i guess i'm interrupted (laughs) i guess a does that even ring a bell to you as being remotely true and b does it um do you can you thinking back is there anything else that you think sort of caused that I don't know what the I don't know what the root cause. <laughs> I only know the symptoms. Uh, but um, you know, definitely one part my mom. I mean, I think all of that, you know, all that crazy crap she was always doing definitely either rubbed off or was just genetically imprinted, you know, like Right. Um, you know, I also had an uncle who man, he would like torture my mom and and the rest of my my aunts when they were kids and stuff. And he was just like He'd mess with people all the time. There might be some hint of that. You know, even my friend Chad that I described, like, he was, I mean, he was ADHD when we were really little kids. Like, he was, like, bonkers. And, <laughs> like, crazy things, like, his mom would take him to the mall. She'd be in the changing room, and he'd run off. And when she, she couldn't find him, and, and she'd find him literally in the fountain in the center of the mall, like, <laughs> taking coins, <laughs> like, taking coins out of it. But I got to say, like, I had such a fun time with him when we were kids. Yeah. Um, And I do feel like there's probably an element of, like, man, it's fun to just be, like, not really have any regard for the consequences, you know what right. I mean? And just have a really, you know, just kind of be yourself. And, and I, you know, I think that rubbed off. There's probably a lot of other people, um, you know, throughout the years. Uh, you know, I had another friend named John Among where we used to play music uh, a lot together, you know, in high school and stuff. And, and he's a guy, he's like this artistic, uh, you know, he's, he has a genius about him. And really another, like, unvarnished like unfettered personality that i sort of feel like okay that you know there, there's something about that yeah i wanted to emulate maybe um, yeah who knows i don't know i haven't like i haven't i, I don't know where i don't know totally I, I bet a lot of it's genetic you know what i mean like i think we got a lot of loud mouths in my family any career decisions that to date you would um you would choose to undo or somehow redo no, I mean, I really, I really wouldn't. Um, I've actually only had one job that I was like, ugh, about, but it, I didn't really stay in it very long because I was like, all right, I'm done with this. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, and that's when I came back to catch him. Um, yep. no, I mean, I've had a few career opportunities that I'm like, thank God I didn't do that, you know? Um, I mean, I'll tell you this, this is a kind of a crazy weirdo thing. So there was a period of time where I, I was really eager to either get into video games or like get into startup life, get into something different. I was at Ketchum, but I was like, I, I'd been there quite a while. And it was like time to just try something different. Um, I had an outstanding offer with a company called THQ, which yep. was a big video game publisher at the time. And it was like a marketing manager role, which to me sounded cool. It was like client side working in video games, like doing all stuff. And at the same time, I got this weird job uh offer from the small israeli startup called ringo which is like ringtones <laughs> it was like a vp of marketing thing for like ringtones i'm like you know c- can you get it's funny i worked on light bulbs as like one of the first clients i you know light bulbs when i was at ketchum and to be honest i had more interest in light bulbs than i did in ringtones right. um, like as a subject but the people were cool like all the stuff and um you know what? I ended up like not taking the THQ job. What was interesting was a little bit later, I ended up working with an amazing guy who 
a guy named Ido Siegel, one of my mentors who, you know, is on the board, he was on the board of directors of Ringo. Um, we later worked together to make the first augmented reality Star Wars game just because we wanted to do it. <laughs> um, and THQ ended up being the publisher. And what was interesting is the job I could have taken at THQ, um, that studio worked themselves to death on a game that ended up being rushed out. And so it was poorly reviewed. They shuttered and fired the entire studio. And then not very long afterwards, THQ as a publisher completely went belly up. Yeah. Um, so like that would have disrupted my career. I keep thinking about not only did I dodge that bullet, but I wouldn't have met people that profoundly altered the course of my life. Um, and in the end, I didn't end up being a marketing manager at some video game publisher. I ended up making like one of the most successful Star Wars games and had that publisher give us money on every copy sold. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like total radical, never would have happened. So, well, it's funny. I, I don't really, I don't have any regrets. I have a few like close calls. calls I'm yeah. like, dang. <laughs> um, thank God. You know, what would you consider to be the highlight of your career? so far i've had a lot of things that i've i've really just been like astonished that i've gotten to either be part of or gotten to initiate you know gotten to see i mean the entire experience i had you know i i I worked very closely with the founder of geek squad yep um and was you know an instrumental part of setting up what the geek squad was in the early years um like that is one of you know unforgettable friendships um even the experience of being put onto that pitch by my supervisor, Brad Bice, who knew even though I was the most junior guy in the room, he knew I spoke their language and I don't know, he knew that that would, I could be an instrument that could help win that whole thing. And he was right. And that put yep. me in this interesting position. And it, I mean, that was one of the highlights probably of my career. Um, and it was just that feeling of someone putting an extreme amount of trust in, in me. Um, and just, by me being myself, it paid off his belief in himself and it paid off my belief in being myself. That, that, that probably was a formative highlight in my career. I mean, getting to make the Star Wars game, huge moment for me. It was another one of those areas where when I stopped to think about it afterwards, I'm like, thank goodness I didn't think about it while we were in the process of pitching it and making it because I wouldn't, I, I had never made a video game before. I had no idea how that works. Like, right. I would, I would have froze up in terror. It's kind of awesome. Right. I was like, nope, but I just never really <laughs> stopped to think about it. It was awesome. Um, but then other, I mean, other things, I don't know. I got to work with the Muppets at JWT. I've gotten to find, I mean, there's people at JWT. I remember there's an art director. Her name is Bianca Guimarães. She's amazing. And she, um, the time was just doing like banners and stuff like that. And I got to meet her and I had initiated this augmented reality band-aid muppets project and you know once i got to meet her and realize oh wow there's someone really talented who really could probably work on stuff that's much more interesting than what she's you know getting to and she's got this you know untapped ability like getting to meet her and bring her onto the team right there's just cool like those are highlights too you know where you're just like cool you know you you worked with people and you all made each other better and and achieve something and learn something they didn't know they could do last question here josh knowing what you know today how would you advise your younger self i don't know man i i kind of would i just be like just keep doing what you're doing you know i mean i would 
look, knowing what I know now, I, I just be like, hey, you're not going to always be as uptight as you are now. Like, cool it with being uptight, and, and, <laughs> and you know, I'm like, I was going to say, maybe I tell myself play play a few less video games and commit more to the work you want to get done, but I kind of feel like all the games and all the wasted time kind of just added up to what I'm doing now and right. my, my outlook. So I don't know. I don't know if I would say do it any different. <laughs> and be like, play, play more video games, man. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Mr. Josh Shaptai. Love it. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, really, really good conversation. All right. <laughs> <laughs> could be one of, the, one of our most peculiar ones. Yeah, totally. Like not, it's probably even safe for work, but I was going to try to take it to a dark place. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Our Authentic Careers with me, your host, Gert Sabar. If you like what you just heard, I hope you'll let your family, friends, and colleagues know all about this little podcast. And since it's early days here at the OAC, your rating and especially your review of the show on iTunes would also be hugely helpful and very much appreciated. If you think you or someone you know would be a great guest, please, 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 please don't hesitate to reach out at ourauthenticcareers.com.